0: Uh, Once again, uh, knowing that uh, despite our sinful uh, nature, when we come before the Father uh, in uh, repentance, He and He alone uh, grants us a a gracious salvation. So let us read uh, corporately uh, this passage found in Isaiah uh, 54. In overflowing anger, for a moment I hid my face from you, but everlasting love I will have compassion on you," says Yahweh, your redeemer. Okay. Well, once again, uh, let me say that when I uh, fill the pulpit, uh, delivering a message from the Word of God. Uh, to the people of God uh, that it's just not my real forte. Uh, I've not attended seminary, uh, I just think I'm a country ER doc, uh, so this is definitely uh, humbling uh, I am, uh, that I am representing our uh, great God when I uh, stand before you uh, in this manner but it must be providential because here we are once again Now, a few months ago uh, I had stated uh, that I uh, had finished my intended uh, series on uh, some of the major uh, names of God as we uh, see them in scripture uh, that was a series of 16 messages that started in January of 2016 so uh, almost seven and a half years ago, and when I look out there uh, among you, uh, there are only a handful uh, that were here at that time. Uh, you know quite a few have moved on and uh, but a lot have also uh, since arrived. Uh, well, uh, because this series was over uh, such a, a period of time, I've had several people. Uh, asked me to uh, start over again as they uh, missed those early ones or even the majority of them or even almost all of them. Uh, And there's others uh, that asked that they just wanted to hear them again. Uh, So uh, for those in uh, both categories that so voted, uh, you have received your desire. (laughs) Uh, So today we're going to go back uh, to that introductory uh, message. And So, uh, for our scripture reading, if you would uh, stand, uh, if you are able, and turn in the book of uh, Exodus uh, chapter uh, 3, beginning at uh, verse 1, Exodus uh, chapter 3, and extending to verse 15, a well-known uh, passage. Uh, to uh, most uh, uh, Christians. Now Moses was keeping the flock of his father-in-law Jethro, the priest of Midian. And he led his flock to the west side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him in in a flame of fire out of the midst of a bush. He looked, and behold, the bush was burning, yet it was not consumed. And Moses said, I will turn aside and see this great sight, why the bush is not burned. When the Lord saw that he turned aside to see, God called him, called to him out of the bush. Moses, Moses, he said, Here I am. Then he said, Do not come near, I know their suffering, and I have come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians, and to bring them up from that land to a good and broad land, a land flowing with milk and honey, to the land of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites. And now behold, the cry of the people of Israel has come to me, and I have also seen the oppression with which the Egyptians oppressed them. Come, I will send you to Pharaoh, that you may bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the children of of Israel out of Egypt? He said, I will be with you, and this shall be a sign to you that I have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt... You shall, serve, you shall serve God on this mountain. Then Moses said to God, If I come to the people of Israel and say to them, The God of your fathers has sent me to you, and they ask me, What is his name? What shall I say to them? God said to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, this, Say this to the people of Israel. I am has sent me to you. God also said to Moses, "Say this to the people of Israel: The Lord, the God of your father, fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, has sent me to you. This is my name forever, and thus I am to be remembered throughout all generations." May the Lord add His blessing to the hearing and reading and understanding of this, His holy and infallible Word. Please be seated. So I ask, uh, what's in a name? Well, there's uh, quite a bit. When we talk about knowing uh, God through His names, uh, getting to know His names is more than simply Uh, learning a new word or discovering a new title uh, that he goes by. Uh, Learning to know God by his names opens the door to knowing his character more fully and experiencing his power more deeply. In scripture, God reveals himself to us, uh, his true self, through his names. But to fully grasp the significance and power of God's names, we first need to understand the importance of names in ancient cultures. In the Old Testament times, a name was more than simply nomenclature. Rather, it revealed important information about the individual or the place or the thing itself. A name was uh, so important in biblical settings that uh, scripture frequently mentions uh, God himself uh, changing someone's name to reflect uh, a new reality. Uh, Abram, which means exalted father, uh, was changed to Abraham, meaning father of a multitude. Uh, Jacob, uh, whose name meant grabber of the heel, Uh, and also deceitful uh, received a new name after uh, wrestling with an angel of God Uh, his new name Israel means one who prevails in the book of Hosea uh, God changed the names of Hosea's son and daughter uh, to signify uh, changes in his relationship with people uh, lo, lo hamai, uh, not, which means not my people, became hamai, my people. And lo ruhima, lo ruhima, uh, meaning she has not received mercy, became ruhima, she has received mercy. You know, moving uh, to the New Testament, that uh, we see Jesus in the first chapter of John uh, telling Simon, his new disciple, uh, You are Simon, the son of John. You shall be called Cephas, which means Peter. The significance of inserting uh, the trans- this translation was that uh, the Greek word translated Peter is Petros, which means rock. Uh, People's names often offer insight into their uh, identity. Uh, When a newly married woman changes her uh, surname to match the name of her husband, uh, she is agreeing to align herself uh, with the very uh, essence uh, of her identity uh, with the man she loves and has become joined to for life. A child who is adopted uh, assumes a new identity by taking on the surname uh, of the new parents as his or her own. So, you know, names do matter. In fact, they matter uh, so much that we personally uh, may feel either dishonored or uh, disrespected if someone calls us by something uh, other than our name or they fail to pronounce our name uh, correctly, uh, especially if it's time again and again. Uh, but names are also important because they are, they are methods of uh, self-revelation. Uh, 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 when we meet people, uh, one of our first questions may be, what's your name? Uh, you know, most of us have uh, several names uh, to which we uh, may respond. Uh, in some context, uh, I'm you know, Dr. Willis. In uh, most instances, I'm simply known as Stu. Uh, when I was in the Air Force, uh, for those of you that uh, know I am retired from the military, uh, I may uh, be called Colonel. Uh, for those uh, that uh, really don't know me, uh, I might be called uh, Henry uh, because that's my official legal first name which uh, I use as little as possible. Uh, but really my favorite names are Dad and Honey. Uh, you know, so the various uh, ways names and titles are used speaks of relationships. Uh, those knowing me more personally call me Stu. Uh, For many at work, it's doctor, but only my kids use dad. And honey is reserved for my bride of nearly uh, 48 years, at least next month, 48 years. Uh, Even though uh, we assign uh, significance to names and titles uh, today, they were far more important uh, to the men and women of the ancient Near East during biblical times. For them, the very existence of a person, place, or thing was tied up in the revelation of its name. Uh, In ancient cultures, a person's names often uh, did more than merely uh, connect one to a family heritage. Uh, Many names were uh, infused with power. Uh, They uh, uh, purpose and uh, authority and character. Uh, To really know someone's name was uh, often to enjoy a special access uh, and a special knowledge because names were often thought to reflect a person's destiny. Uh, Consider a few uh, biblical names. Let's start with Adam, uh, for instance. It means of the ground. And Eve means living or life-giving. Nabal, the name of uh, Abigail's uh, fool of a husband, means fool. And Isaac, uh, born to a 90-year-old woman, means he laughs. And who wouldn't laugh at such an incredible circumstance? Uh, In the Old Testament, the word name uh, is a translation of the Hebrew word Shem, S-H-E-M. And in the New Testament, it is the Greek word Onoma, O-N-O-M-A. Altogether, the word name appears more than a thousand times in Scripture and routinely carries with it the idea of power, responsibility, purpose, or authority. A name not only expresses the essence and significance of what is being named, but also, when duly authorized, it offers access to the quality that it conveys. Because of the depth of God's character uh, he has various names that reflect uh, the many ways that uh, he relates to man. For example, God is called Elohim uh, when revealing himself as the uh, all-powerful one, uh, God the creator. Uh, This name appears some 2,500 times in scripture. He is Yahweh or Jehovah and in another message we will talk about that difference but that appears some 6,800 times when he is revealed as the I Am the self-existent one the Lord when it is all capital letters some 300 times God is Adonai, my great Lord. He is also Yahweh Neseh, the Lord my banner, a name we need to know when seeking victory in our life. He is also Yahweh Repha, the Lord who heals. When we are in need of provision, we must know the name Yahweh Jireh, the Lord will provide he is also El Shaddai Yahweh, Shalom and several others God has a name for every circumstance and situation in which we may find ourselves we need to learn the names of God because when we know his character and his capacity we will find rest and discover peace and power in his covenantal care for us. One of the most dramatic revelations in the long history of the world uh, took place more than 3,000 years ago in the middle of a desert region in northwestern Arabia. Today's scripture reading reflects this. We see that a solitary man encountered God. When the man overcame his terror, he summoned his courage and inquired concerning the deity's name. This was the response spoken from the midst of the burning bush. Say this to the people of Israel. Yahweh, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me to you this is my name forever and thus I am to be remembered throughout all generations what would be (coughs) excuse me what would the name Yahweh have meant to a man like Moses a Hebrew who was reared in an Egyptian palace perhaps nothing at least at first but like an infant who gradually learns to equate mama with milk and safety and comfort moses would come to equate yahweh with faithfulness and power and provision yahweh is the mighty god who with marvelous signs and wonders had brought deliverance This was the God who enabled his people to cross the Red Sea in safety and then commanded the waters to collapse with deadly force on their Egyptian pursuers. Moses marveled at Yahweh's ability to deliver them from an enemy. And he marveled at his continued provision in the wilderness. Just consider manna falling from the sky and water flowing from a rock. And there were also teachings inscribed on stone revealing to Moses and the people of Israel the ground rules for their relationship with Yahweh, the Ten Commandments. And these instructions from God revealed a God of integrity and justice. A God above all gods, who yet also notices the smallest and the least, treating them with compassion and kindness. By revealing his name, God has given Moses and the Israelites special access, inviting them to cry out to him for help. (coughs) But this mighty God has also introduced a note of vulnerability. For there was always the risk that the people he loved would not love him. That instead they might dishonor his name through their disobedience, acting in ways that contradict his character. Uh, This is akin to a pastor who proclaims God from the pulpit but then sins in a grave manner, uh, disgracing Yahweh by claiming to belong to him but ignoring his commandments in willful disobedience. We shouldn't be surprised that from Genesis to Revelation, the Bible demonstrates uh, the power of many names. And much of that uh, has to do specifically with God's names as they are uh, intricately uh, connected between the Old uh, and New Testaments. God reveals many of His names to us so that we can gain different perspectives on who he is. Uh, One name by itself cannot fully represent God's majesty and power. Uh, One name alone can't fully tell us all uh, we need to know about uh, this person we refer to as God. God longs for us uh, to know him more fully. He desires to be known by us uh, for all that he truly is. When we truly know Him, when we understand and experience the depth of His goodness and power, our hearts are open to worshiping Him in such grand splendor. Knowing God's names is critical to our comprehension and application of the strengths and victories that come through His multidimensional nature. God wants us to come face to face with his significance and substance. But to do so requires us to know his names. In fact, throughout the Bible, when God revealed a new aspect of his character to his people, uh, he often did this by revealing a new name. Whatever our situation, God has a name that fits. When God asked Moses to lead the Israelites out of their difficult and challenging situation, he empowered Moses by revealing one of his names. Moses knew he couldn't go to Israel in the authority of his own name. Moses needed to know God's name. He knew that God's power and authority were attached to his name. God the Great I Am showed up to bring freedom to the captives and overpowered the enemies who sought to keep God's people from their destiny. God's names are like keys that unlock the treasures God has in store for us. In Psalm 111, we read, He sent redemption to His people. He has commanded His covenant forever. Holy and awesome is His name. In John 17, Jesus said, I made known to them your name, and I will continue to make it known. He was referencing more than just sounds put together in a word. In Jesus, God came to earth in the flesh and unveiled his heart, mind, will, character, and being throughout the revelation of his name. But beside all this, why else should we know the names of God? I propose there are three principles to keep in mind. We are commanded to honor it, we are commanded to fear it, and we are commanded to praise it. God has commanded us to honor His name. In fact, the Lord's Prayer begins, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. The term hallowed and the word uh, holy come from the same root word. It means placed apart or sanctified. God's name is thus hallowed. In other words, we're not to mix up God's name with anyone else's name. We are not to lump him in with others or to toss his name about lightly. God's names are hallowed. They are to be honored, respected, and treated with the reverence they deserve. For example, if the President of the United States, like him or not, or the Governor of Idaho were to walk into a room, we would not address them by their first name. The position demands a certain level of recognition. You wouldn't say, hey dude, what's up? Although Joe might. Not Joe. (laughs) Uh, You would place the title in front of the name and speak it with the respect due the office of the holder. God's names are to be treated with more respect than we should show anyone else. And we are to hallow not only the verbalization of his names, but also the characteristics they convey. His name carries weight, carries lots of weight. Uh, He is the one and only true God who operates from heaven, and we must treat him accordingly in order to fully actualize and experience <clears throat> the power he longs to provide his people the opposite of this hallowing is found in the third of the Ten Commandments where we read you shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain for the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain the word vain means empty we Without meaning. It describes something as having no substance or having uh, sometimes even a detriment. Uh, In this context, it has to do with using God's name in a way that is inconsistent with His personhood. Uh, It involves stripping away the value that belongs to His name. Unfortunately today, many people strip God's name of its meaning. They joke about God's name or they use it in cursing or they may even forge it or forget it. Forgery is an unauthorized use of a name. It is an appeal to the benefits and provision that come with a name without the permission or authority to use that name. People uh, today will uh, often invoke God's name without having a relationship with him. They fail to give him the honor he is due, uh, all the while expecting uh, to receive uh, blessings that come through him. We uh, will sometimes see uh, God's name uh, used at uh, the beginning of an event, uh, such as uh, an invocation Uh, or at the end uh, in a a benediction, Uh, but then he is left out of the program that's in between. When God is not understood, valued, and appreciated for who he uh, truly is, uh, using his name is like identity theft. Yet God is fully aware of who he is. He is fully aware of his own uh, personal dignity. He lacks nothing uh, in the area of self-esteem and he is not confused by his identity and he knows everything and he knows how some treat his name. And when he isn't treated as he rightfully should be treated, he doesn't take it lightly. Uh, He will not conform to an earthly interpretation of him nor will he Uh, manifest his uh, merciful presence in a situation where his worth is lessened or his character is cheapened. God is anything but cheap. He demands that we recognize the value who he truly is. He is who he is, the great I am, and all honor is due him. Through the revelation of his name to us, God tells us who he is. Not who we think he is or who we want him to be. He is the great I am who I am. Not the great I am who you want me to be. Yet too many people attempt to conform God to their own desires only to find that God will not be defined by anyone outside of himself. If we want to uncover and unleash a true redeeming, the true redeeming power of God in our lives, we must get to know his name as he reveals them. We must experience him in the purity of his presence. When we live in a covenantal relationship with God, we become accountable for reflecting his character. Here's a great example that can be applied to our modern times. You know, as a young man uh, is leaving home, uh, say for college, or a woman, uh, maybe, uh, you know, rather than having his dad uh, giving his son or daughter a long and a tedious lecture about what to do and what not to do, uh, seemingly at nauseum. Uh, wouldn't it be nice uh, to be sufficient to say, uh, son or daughter, uh, I've only got one piece of advice. And can't you uh, reflect that young person thinking, amen, I'm going to make it out of here today okay. And his dad says, Son, I've only got one thing of value to give you, and that's my name. And after a short pause, he continues, Don't take my name anywhere I wouldn't take it. Don't do anything with my name that I wouldn't do with it. That's my only request as you go off to college or wherever it may be. This is exactly what God is telling us when we are in Christ, that we bear his name as Christians. Our behavior, publicly and privately, reflect upon him. When we take the name Christian, we must remember the commandments that say, Thou shalt not take the name of the Lord your God, in vain so let's turn to the second principle to keep in mind as we learn the names of God Proverbs 18.10 tells us the name of the Lord is a strong tower the righteous runs into it and is safe his name alone is a fortified uh, fortified place offering freedom, security, and peace. His name is like a fort that provides protection for the believer. And then in Psalm 86, 11, David wrote, Teach me your way, O Lord, that I, am, I may walk with your truth. Unite my heart to fear your name. Fearing God's name empowers us Uh, to walk in His way and in His truth. Uh, Fearing His name is the key to living an abundant life and fulfilling the destiny God has laid out for us. When we fear God's name, honoring Him with our lives, we can ask whatever we need, and it will be delivered for the glory of His kingdom. God's name and subsequently Christ's name bring protection and provision. But the key to accessing that protection and provision is to know his character and esteem the person behind the name. For example, when, the better someone knows a person, the more effectively they can use that person's name in their life. If they don't know the person very well, others will quickly discern that they are just name-dropping when they speak of that person. The same is true of God. If He recognizes that we know little of His character and don't align our thoughts and choices with His uh, overarching rule, we can... Toss out his name all we want, but we are simply name-dropping. To fear and revere God's name is to fear and revere God. It is to take him seriously. In Psalm 29, uh, at the very beginning, David writes, Ascribe to the Lord, O sons of God, ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due His name. The better we understand God's names, the more we will worship Him. The better we see and experience God's manifestations of His names in our lives, the more we'll ascribe glory to Him. God longs to be more to us than just a subject and a... As some would call it, a book of theology. He wants to be real to us. Uh, to accomplish this, uh, sometimes he allows us uh, to get into what seems like a hopeless situation, or maybe he puts us one, puts us in one, because of our disobedience. Uh, this is what uh, he did with Martha and Mary. Uh, when their brother Lazarus died. He allowed someone they loved to die so they could experience a resurrection, a restoration. And he uh, does this with us because he knows that uh, when we see him for who he really is, when we discover the character that's embedded uh, in his names, uh, we will never view life the same again. With this new understanding of who God is based on his names, we will view all of life differently, even in our ordinary experiences. God wants us to view them through spiritual eyes and not just physical eyes. Many people rarely experience a resurrection in their hopeless situations because they are too earthbound, seeking to define God falsely by who they want Him to be. They're so tied to their physical definition and expectations of God that they wind up missing out the true spiritual revelation of who He is. Many people don't overcome the issues in their lives because they simply don't know the power of God's name in the midst of their crisis. They may try to use God's name all the time, but they don't know God's name as God defines himself. Regardless of what we are facing, our God is a God of hope, and he will provide a way for us to experience victory in our lives. But the hope and victory we experience must be rooted in the truth of who God is. When we fix our eyes upon God's character and believe with all our heart what God has said about himself and what (coughs) what he has said about us, That peace and victory will come to pass. He can bring us out of even the darkest of situations. Unfortunately, too few people know or come to know the fullness of his name, of this hope, simply because they fail to know, fear, and revere God's name. They fail to take him at his word. Over and over in Scripture, uh, pe- God shows us in people's lives uh, in miraculous ways, uh, ushering them into victories, defeating opponents, uh, tackling enemies, and overcoming uh, inconceivable odds. Did God wake up this morning? Has He supplied all our needs? Has He put food on the table, kept us safe? healed and ill? Are we clothed, uh, covered, uh, and in our right mind? Or even if we suffer, uh, like Job and others in the Bible suffered, uh, even if we have experienced major trials, uh, he has not offered us the fullness, uh, has he not offered us the fullness of his presence and his peace when we humble ourselves before him. For all these things uh, and more, we are to honor and fear his great name. When we know and experience his names, uh, we find the power not only to face life's circumstances, but also to rise far above them in the abundance of his mercies and grace. The last principle to know about God's name is based simply on the inherent greatness of his name. We are to praise his name. Psalm eight one says O, o Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. Psalm forty eight ten as your name, O God, so your praise reaches the ends of the earth. Psalm 75 begins, We give thanks to you, O God. We give thanks for your name is near. We recount your wondrous deeds. Psalm 76 starts with, In Judah God is known. His name is great in Israel. The names of God Convey his intrinsic majesty and glory. His name is nothing short of pure majesty. Discovering and experiencing uh, the manifestation of his names in our lives will steer us directly into the presence of our magnificent God. When David wrote, How majestic is your name? He doesn't merely say, God I know your name rather he is saying your name is excellent Your word, the word majestic means full of splendor and magnificence magnificence David then follows this up with you have set your glory above the heavens then David responded to God's creation by saying when I look at your heavens the work of your fingers the moon and the stars which you have set in place what is man that you are mindful of him and the son of man that you care for him essentially when God looked up uh, he was awed by God's creation When he recognized the majesty of God's name, he basically forgot about his own. But what particularly strikes me about this particular verse is that God chose to use the word, the work of your fingers. The use of human anatomy to describe God is called anthropomorphism. Here David describes human attributes to God so that we can better understand the nature of God since God is an invisible spirit he sometimes inspired the men writing the bible to describe him in human terms to give us a better picture of him in this case god wrote or david wrote that god only needed his fingers to do the amazing work of the universe when you or I pick something up we typically use the full grasp of our hand or maybe several of our fingers this is uh, uh, if I say that I didn't need to use my entire hand uh, it means I didn't need to use much strength When when David tells us that God created uh, the beauty around us with his fingers, he is emphasizing that God didn't need his hands, arms, or shoulders. He needed none of that. He was merely finger painting. And God's finger painting is more glorious than any uh, human oil on a canvas. There is simply no way... Uh, There's simply no denying God's handiwork as He opens up uh, the skies so that we can behold all of the pristine and exquisite uh, beauty of His mountains and glaciers and lakes and rivers and wildlife all bathed uh, in His pure sunlight or moonlight or starlight After all, what do we say in the face of such majesty? His grandeur may marshal in thoughts like David's when he said, What is man that you are mindful of him, and the son of man that you care for him? Or it may bring to mind words such as we see in Job chapter 40. Behold, I am of small account that I shall answer you. I lay my hand on my mouth. Understanding the names of God will help us to understand how to praise and worship Him more effectively. To know God's names is to experience His nature, and that level of intimacy is reserved for those who humbly depend on Him. God will not share His glory with another. We must humble ourselves if we really want to know Him. And just for this reason alone, if no other, as believers we should hunger to understand the significance of the names of God. His name is great. And he is worthy of our praise. Like an earthly father, he must rejoice when he hears his children praise him with the use of his name. How we understand the person and character of God the Father affects every aspect of our lives. It affects far more than what we might formerly call the religious aspects of our lives. As God is creator of the entire universe, then it follows that He is the Lord of the whole universe. No part of the world is outside His Lordship. That means that no part of my life or your life is outside of His Lordship. His holy character has something to say about economics, politics, athletics, romance, uh, the weather, everything with which we are involved. We can only enjoy God to the degree that we know him. Little knowledge translates to little spiritual life or power. Learning about God's names offers us a fresh way of encountering God and sensing His presence uh, in our lives. The greater we know Him, the greater our joy. We just need to fully uncover the power, uh, the potency, uh, the privilege, and the productivity that comes with God's names. Let us pray. Lord God, Heavenly Father, we are so thankful for Your uh, holy and infallible Word. And how blessed we are, Father, that through Your Word uh, You have given us uh, Your names in ways that help us grasp uh, a a measure of Your uh, majestic being. Uh, granting us uh, an ability to uh, understand at least a a portion uh, of your nature and character and most graciously allowing us to see uh, your power, your dominion, and your glory in all there is. So Lord God, without the knowledge uh, of your uh, numerous names, we would not be able to honor you fear you and praise you uh, as we should so lord god yahweh we thank you for all your blessings we pray this in the son of in the name of your son and our savior Jesus Christ amen